Hi, I'm Pastor Jason from Yokine Baptist Church, and this is a sermon recorded at one of our Sunday morning services. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you're encouraged by this message and that it draws you closer to God. Enjoy. Please note that the following message contains content that may not be suitable for children. Today, we're going to be talking a bit about grace. Um, and I actually, it's, it's not a very big book, this one by Philip Yancey, but it's a very profound, very life-changing book. And in fact, um, I downloaded the audio book from Kurong. You can buy the, uh, the paperback as well. Uh, and I listened to it yesterday. I actually managed to get through uh, over the course of yesterday the entire book by listening to it while I was working. So that was, uh, it's, it's a fantastic book uh, and it talks all about grace, which is something you really need to know if you're going to be able to forgive people. Grace is tough, but it is absolutely amazing. So, all right, uh, let's move to our, uh, our sermon slide. Thanks, mate. Appreciate that. I can do that, can I? Okay. I'll go back to the program. It wasn't doing it for me a second ago. Oh no! But it, yeah, it's not showing any of my notes. Sorry, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to use the clicker if you wouldn't mind passing that up, and I'll just use my PDF here. Okay, this game. This is a good fun. I don't know if you recognise this game. Um, according to Amazon.com, it is their fifth best-selling board game on their site. So it's really quite popular. It's lots of fun. Um, and I don't know how many of you have played it. I used to enjoy playing with it. One of the reasons I liked it is because it was one of those board games that had, you know, like those little plastic poppers in the middle. So instead of having to roll the dice, you pop the thing and yeah, the dice roll. It was always good fun. Uh, it's not really an original game. Uh, it's, a, it's a variation. It's come from the Indian game of Parcheesi. And there are different versions of it. So this one's called Sorry, but they also have versions called Trouble, aggravation and frustration. That sounds like a fun game, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, and if you, you look at the, um, and if you look at the tagline on the box, okay, there we go. If you look at the tagline on the box, what does it say? The game of sweet revenge. Yeah, that's what it is. All right, so in this game, uh, I want to show, just show you, it only goes for about 15 seconds, this is the TV commercial for the game. Thanks, guys. Always remember to forgive and forget. Sorry. You hit me, I'll get you back. The game of sorry. Slide, switch, and bump your way home before someone makes you. Sorry. And send you back. Do we understand? Sorry. You hit me, I'll get you back. Sorry. There we go. The voiceover says, you get me, I'll get you back. Um, I want to suggest that saying sorry is not always the same as being sorry, is it? I mean, they say sorry, but they didn't mean it, did they? So let's have a look at what this word sorry is. Now, firstly, what sorry is not. Sorry is not about forgiveness. Do you know the Bible never actually tells us to say, I'm sorry? You never see that in Scripture anywhere? The Bible never directs us to be sorry. But the word forgive, well, that comes up nearly 150 times in Scripture. Now, I want to pose a question to you. 
why do you think God doesn't tell us to say sorry, but instead he asks us to say forgive me? Well, the reason is, sorry doesn't call for a response. Now, let's say when I turned up to today, now, John's got a new Ranger, is that the car? Right? And he was very excited about it, and I'm sorry I didn't really notice because I was concentrating on getting up here. But let's say this morning when I parked my car, I bumped into John's Ranger. And I go, oh, sorry. Does John have to respond to that? Does that require anything on his part? You see, I'm just, I'm just making an expression, not expecting anything from him in return. But if I say to him, John, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Well, that's a different question. He's shaking his head now. <laughs> you see, I'm asking for a response. Saying sorry is actually the easy way out. It's one of the things that we did with our children when we were training them as, from very little. Because asking for forgiveness is risky. When I ask someone for forgiveness, I risk getting an answer that I may not like. I might say, John, will you forgive me? And he says, no. And so then that's going to hurt, isn't it? For asking for forgiveness exposes me to the potential of being rejected and being humiliated. Asking for forgiveness is much more vulnerable than just saying sorry. And that's why saying sorry is so much easier than saying forgive me. So the next thing about sorry is that sorry is not repentance. See, God doesn't want us to come to him and say sorry. It doesn't, mean that, it doesn't mean that feeling sorry is necessarily a bad thing. So, for instance, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, I'm happy not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led to repentance. Right? Repentance simply means to turn away from what you're doing wrong and to do right, leading to repentance. Being sorry led the people in Corinth to repent, their sorrow led them to want to change their lives, and that was a good thing. Often people say sorry, but they never repent. They never change. You know, I was watching a, a video online the other day where a, two ladies had stolen a bunch of cash from a Girl Scout who'd set up a, though she was selling her cookies, Girl Guide cookies, right? And they'd stolen the cash, and they got caught. And they were being interviewed on camera. None of them were sorry. None of them cared. It didn't change their attitude or change their intent to do it again. In fact, they said, oh, it's not really fair. I mean, now I have to pay a fine and get a criminal record, and I don't even get to keep the money. <laughs> wow. God doesn't tell us to be sorry. He wants us to have a sorrow that leads us to repent. And if we're willing to ask for forgiveness, if we're willing to confess our sin to him, to admit we're being wrong, to, to humble ourselves and make ourselves vulnerable, then God promises that he will forgive us. So we read in John that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 
as often as we ask for forgiveness, God will give it. And this is one of the things Yancey addresses in his book, you know, because uh, he says that, oh, you know, that might lead some people to go, well, if God's only going to forgive me, I might as well just keep sinning more. You know, and, he's, and, uh, and yeah, it is. And, he, and uh, he makes the comment, I can't remember whether it was Yancey or whether it was uh, C.S. Lewis that said, if you preach grace and people don't get the wrong idea and get, then you perhaps you're not preaching it right. You know, that grace is meant to be outrageous. Grace, grace is meant to be extravagant. You know, because that's what the love of God is like. You know, a couple of years ago, um, Margaret and I went to the USA on a trip. And one of the little things we noticed is that a lot of the restaurants there have a free refill policy. So you order a soft drink and they'll just keep refilling it for you all night, which is great. Well, a number of years ago, there was a man who went out to a restaurant and it was just at the time that US restaurants are starting to adopt this practice. And so he thought this was terrific. So he sat there and he drank Pepsi after Pepsi after Pepsi. Now, you can imagine the outcome. Um, well, firstly, he would have been running to the toilet or the caffeine would have kept him up all night. But there was a worse thing for him. This restaurant didn't have a free refills policy. And so at the end of the night, he got this huge bill. It was like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? He had to pay for every one of his Pepsis. He was expecting a free refill, but that's not what he got. And you know, that's the difference between how the world does things and how God does things. The world is like that restaurant. The world expects us to pay for everything we do wrong. The world doesn't like to forgive. The world doesn't like to say sorry. Most of the movies on TV are about getting revenge and the satisfaction at the end of the story comes when you kill the bad guy, right? That's how the world operates. But with God, with God, when we ask forgiveness, it's like we're getting free refills. We don't have to pay for that sin all over again. Forgiveness is a free gift from the Father. You know, there are, there are lots of ways that people try and find God. Right? There are lots of religions out there. And I believe it's because built deep within us, we are spiritual beings our hearts call out to God. But because people don't know how to do it, they invent all sorts of religions. And pretty much every religion out there is about doing something to earn your way to salvation, whether it's earning your way to God or earning your way to the next life or whatever it might be. You've got to earn it. But Christianity is God reaching down and offering atonement for our sins. He's offering unlimited forgiveness. So that's, those are the two things that forgiveness is not. Let's look now at, at three reasons why we forgive others. Firstly, we forgive to be forgiven. So in our text here, Jesus said, this is how we should pray. Forgive us our debts. That's a simple prayer, isn't it? We go to God and we say, Lord, forgive us. But then Jesus goes on a little bit. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. So there's kind of a little condition. We're saying, you know, God, forgive me just as much as I forgive other people. And just in case we don't get the point, 
he goes to the end of his prayer and expands on it and he says, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That sounds kind of tough, doesn't it? That's, that can be, that's, that's a real kind of a strong statement. But I believe there are a number of reasons why forgiveness is particularly important to God. And I just want to give you two of them today, the two key reasons. The first reason is it is because God forgives. That is who he is. You know, in Jewish religious circles, it was taught that you only had to forgive someone three times. You know, if they sinned against you again, you could write them off. That was it. Now, the Apostle Peter came to Jesus, and of course, he was feeling rather proud of himself. Hey, Lord, how many times should I forgive? You know, I'm prepared to forgive someone seven times. Aren't I good? And Jesus says, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, the followers of Jesus need to adopt that free refill policy, just like God does with us. You see, we represent God in this world. We need to be people of forgiveness. You know, we need to model the kind of forgiveness that God gives us. And so Jesus goes on then and he illustrates this point with a really powerful parable. And the parable goes like this. One day a king decided to call in his officials and ask them to give an account of what they owed him. As he was doing this, the official was brought in who owed him 50 million silver coins. But he didn't have the money to pay what he owed. The king ordered him to be sold, along with his wife and children, into slavery in order to pay the debt. The official got down on his knees and began begging, have pity on me, I will pay you back every cent I owe. The king felt sorry for him and he let him go free and he told him, you don't even need to pay me back. The debt is forgiven. And what did this guy do? He was obviously wonderful and excited about it. So he was leaving and he happened to come across another official who owed him a hundred silver coins. So he grabbed the man by the throat, started choking him and said, pay me what you owe. This man also got on his knees and began begging, have pity on me, I will pay you back. But the first official refused to have pity. Instead, he went and had that guy put into jail until he could pay what he owed. Now, when some of the other officials heard about this, they went and told the king what had happened. The king called this man back in and he said to him, you're an evil man. When you begged for mercy, I said you didn't even have to pay back a cent. Don't you think you should show that same pity to someone else like I did to you? And the king was so angry, he ordered the official to be tortured until he could pay back everything he owed, which would be forever. That is how our Father in heaven will treat you if you don't forgive each of my followers with all your heart. You know, you can, you can understand why God would be upset with us if we don't forgive. Because look at how much we've been forgiven. Whenever we ask forgiveness, whether we ask it seven times a day or 70 times a day, God forgives us. But then he told us 
that if we hold bitter and anger, bitterness and anger inside, if we hold resentment and unforgiveness because someone sins against us, that's just going to torture us. That's going to torture us forever. Um, you might know a guy from a rock band called Toby Mac said, don't allow what has been done to you become bigger than what Jesus did for you. Right? Don't allow what's been done to you by someone become bigger than what he has done for us. I need to forgive others because God has forgiven me. The other reason I need to forgive is because it's healthy for me. I need to do it. Unforgiveness damages us. You know, the guy in that parable, Jesus said, he, I'm turning him over to be tortured. Right? Unforgiveness in your life becomes a torture in your life. It doesn't hurt necessarily the person who you won't forgive. It hurts you. Jesus is telling us that if we don't forgive ourselves, we damage, sorry, if we don't forgive others, we are damaging ourselves. And there have actually been a number of scientific studies on the topic of forgiveness. So, for instance, people who hold on to unforgiveness tend to be unhappy. They tend to live with resentment. They are burdened with stress. And they're more prone to experience depression. And there are other consequences as well. People who don't forgive have higher rates of divorce. They tend to suffer from headaches, backaches, and insomnia. There are a lot of effects of holding bitterness in our hearts. One study said that the reason all these things happen is because unforgiveness leads to a buildup of a chemical in our body called cortisol. And cortisol is not a good thing to have in too much abundance in your body. It wears down the brain, it leads to atrophy, it leads to memory loss, it raises blood pressure, it raises blood sugar, it hardens the arteries. Unforgiveness tortures those of us who hold on to it in our lives. So let's have a look at a, uh, a more modern parable. Let's say... I ask each of you to bring in a plastic bag to church with you today. And I come here and I didn't want to do it because I don't have a big bag of potatoes, but let's say I've got a big bag of potatoes here. All right? And for every person you refuse to forgive, I hand you a potato. And you write the name of that person who you forgive on the potato and you put it in your plastic bag and you carry it around with you. Now, I want you to carry that plastic bag with you everywhere you go. If you go to college, take it with you. If you go to work, take it with you. When you go to bed, take it with you. Put it beside your bed at night. Stick it on your car seat when you're driving. Stick it on your lap if you're a passenger when driving. Put it on the seat next to you when you're in church. Some of those bags are going to get really, really heavy. How you going there, brother? Yes. Do you? Let me fill this illustration and then I'll get you to give me the example. No, 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 you stay there. Now, those bags are going to get heavier and heavier, all right? And you know what's going to happen to a potato 
when you don't eat it and when it just sits in a bag, it's going to get old, it's going to get mouldy, it's going to get smelly and that bag is going to become an embarrassment. That bag is going to hover. Everywhere you go, you're going to, oh, this bag is terrible and everyone is going to know you're carrying around a bag of rotten potatoes. Give us your example there. What do you got, brother? Friends, I have a personal example that... uh I'm pretty sure many people have. I have been asking myself and I've been asking God for the longest time, how did I get so sick and so disabled? As Pastor Jason was talking about grace and forgiveness, I remembered, well, I never forgot it actually, when I was five years old, I was sexually molested by a teenager. I was powerless. He ran to the village before me and he bragged to everyone as if I had done it willingly. And my grandmother called me a horrible name and blamed me for it. And I carried that guilt and that hatred towards that man all my life. And uh, just recently, I was in hospital again, waiting to see Professor Bill Carroll. And when he came to see me, He asked me how I was. I I am a long-time patient of his. He calls me a VIP. He sends his sidekicks to invite me in and all that. And I said, I've been pleading with these doctors of yours to spare me a little cyanide. And he told me, you don't deserve a little cyanide. With that word, he took me right back 48 years ago when I became a non-deserving person because I was blamed for something I hadn't done. It was done to me. Mm. But that hatred... And that unforgiveness that I carried all my life brought me here. This is the example I wanted to share you. Please, friends, forgive. Mm-hmm. Regardless what the grouch is, forgive it. It will damage you. And I am an example. Thank you, Pastor Jason. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Michal. I'm not just talking theory here, am I? I'm, uh, uh, we're, we're talking practically. People experience this. You know, some of you may be not forgiving someone because they've done something small. Here's an example of someone who's had to try to learn to forgive someone who's done something so terrible as sexual assault. If you look at uh, Philip Yancey's book, you'll see example after example 
of truly horrible things that people have done. And you see the transforming power of grace. But we don't want to give it up though sometimes, do we? You know, we take hold of that big bag full of unforgiveness and we carry it around with us. You know, it starts to stink, it gets annoying, but I won't let it go. Everyone notices it. You know, I carry it to work with me and put it on my desk. It gets in the way of my work. I take it home and I put it in my bed and it gets in the way of my marriage. You know, I take it to my home and put it on the family dining table and it interferes with my relationships with my family. It is. It is. It's real. It's not theory. It is real. Holding a grudge might hurt the other person. But you know, they may not even know you're holding that grudge. It will, however, hurt you. Let's wrap it up here. The Bible doesn't teach us to say, I'm sorry. It calls on us to ask for forgiveness. It calls on us to repent. God wants us also to be people of forgiveness, people who give as freely as we've been given. You know, we're called Christians. It means people who are like Christ. You know, there's a big world out there, and a lot of people have no idea what God is like. I've sat next to people and and they ask, what do you do? You're a pastor. What's that? They don't even know. There's an ignorant world out there who doesn't know. And so for many of them, their only glimpse of what God is like is what they see in you. And if we're going to be people that hold on to unforgiveness in our lives, how are we going to convince them that God will forgive them? Unforgiveness hurts our witness. And unforgiveness damages us. It interferes with our enjoyment of life. It gets in the way of everything. It's like a big, moldy, stinky bag of potatoes. And we won't let it go, will we? We hang on to it. You know, we're like Gollum with the ring of power. Oh, my precious, my precious. No, you can't have it. But it's ruining your life. No, no, but it's my precious. And why do we do that? I refuse to forgive because that other person doesn't deserve forgiveness. And then I go to scripture and I read that I don't deserve forgiveness either. It is a free gift from God. So, I don't know, sometimes people walk out of church and they go, that was a nice sermon, or thank you, or whatever. Uh, I'm not sure this is a nice sermon this morning. (laughs) Uh, The topic is not a nice topic. It's a difficult one. It's a challenging one. It's one that really hits home. And I hope that if there is some unforgiveness in your life, if there is someone you are struggling with, they don't necessarily have to be someone in this building. It could be someone in your family. It could be someone from 40 years ago. I pray that you will be able to exercise that gift of forgiveness that God gives us. Take that mouldy sack of potatoes and throw it away. Forgive that person and in doing so, set yourself free. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you that you are indeed a God of incredible love and grace. 
Lord, we, re- we, we read that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't earn that. We didn't deserve that. That was your gift. We can't earn our salvation. We can't earn our forgiveness. That is your gift. Lord, help us to be so grateful for that gift, to be so overwhelmed with the enormity of your love that we can't help but to give it to others, that we can't share that forgiveness with others. And Lord, some of us here have held on to unforgiveness in our life and it hurts us, it damages us. Lord, I thank you for the courage of Mihail who's been willing to share the worst thing that's been done for him and how the unforgiveness in his heart has damaged his life. Lord, may we learn from that example. Lord, help us to be people who forgive. Lord, help us to be willing to give up that big mouldy bag of unforgiveness. Lord, help us instead, Lord, to just be so overwhelmed by your grace that we will give it to everyone that we come across. We thank you for your love, for your grace, for your unforgiveness. In the precious name of Jesus who died for us. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. A special thanks to those that have donated to us online, enabling us to continue our ministry to the local community and beyond. It's because of you that our ministry is possible. Click the link in the description or visit yokinebaptist.church to find out other ways you can support us. If you enjoyed listening to this message, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.